Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, I'm very excited to have Miles Stevens, a district manager from the Pittsburgh area for the Davy Tree Expert Company on the show today, because we're going to talk about something we both love more than just about anything. It's pawpaw trees. Miles, how are you? <laughs> good. How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing good. Uh, my journey with pawpaw trees starts 20 years ago, uh, just seeing them in a nursery catalog and wondering... I don't know what these are, but I'm going to plant some. And boy, a few years later, when I started harvesting these amazing kind of tropical fruits, I was hooked and I'm spreading the word. How did you get started on pawpaws? And then we'll talk all about what pawpaws are and everything we can think about pawpaws to talk about. So a bit WVU Arboretum and pawpaws, that was cool and never ran into them very much. And then I'm trying how many years ago. Out at Raccoon Park, trying to get was hunting or hiking. My son and I came across so grove. We're looking, what are these? I said, oh, pawpaws. So I started watching for them to produce fruit, and it didn't happen. And then, you know, I got a little more interested doing a little research on pawpaws. And then uh, I was at uh, Tree Pittsburgh, had an event, and they were selling pawpaw trees. So I bought three. I guess the rest is history. <laughs> so, no. Uh like longing to do it or anything like that. You just, you saw it. That was when you were in college. Is that when you first saw them at WVU? Yeah, first time I saw them. Yep. They had down at the Arboretum goes all the way down to the Mon river and got down towards the bottom and there were pawpaws. So tell us a little bit about the pawpaw in general. What, what is this tree and why are guys like you and I nuts over them? Uh, it's just sort of unique kind of tree. Like I said, in some ways it's tropical. It is the largest uh, fruit berry, or the fruit itself is the largest you're going to find in North America. And there ends up being some history with it from time to time. Native Americans and uh, our first president, it was his favorite uh, dessert. And uh, so that all sort of ties into sort of being interesting. I'm sure early settlers uh, used the fruit a good bit, you know. And uh, so from that point, being a history buff and liking trees, it sort of, dovetailed into doing more with it so it's a native tree and you need more than one right yeah best for best results yes oh you can get fruit without another one i thought you had to have an, another one i i think you can but i think uh, it's your, your best results you know like anything else the pollination will be much more successful you have multiple trees you're going to attract more flies and whatnot to do the pollination. Plus you have more flowers and all that sort of works into, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, superior to get pawpaws that way. So talk about the pollination. Yeah, it's sort of unique. Everybody thinks pollination. I always think of honeybees and things like that. Well, that's not the case uh, with uh, uh, pawpaws. They're pollinated by flies, you know, and, uh, so that makes it maybe a little more difficult at times to uh, to get the uh, get the pollination. I remember you know talked about some tricks because I wasn't getting anything, and talked about maybe chicken parts and other things to help. Uh, I tried that. I'm not sure I got a lot of 
success with that. But uh, I think I was just a matter of the trees were mature. And now that they're more mature, I do get, I mean, I am getting fruit. But uh, it is unique, the fact that you don't think it flies, but what's attractive. So you have to have sort of stinky things there to attract the flies. Yeah. So the, the flowers are, are kind of nondescript, dark purple. Yeah. And yeah. have an odor to attract flies. And then like one of the old stories was, and I don't know if this is true, is that Native Americans would hang dead squirrels in the tree to attract the flies. Whether that's true or not, who knows? And then with George Washington enjoying the fruit as his favorite dessert, I've always heard that he liked it uh, refrigerated, but People often, when I post that, they say like, "Well, how did he refrigerate it in seventeen in the seventeen hundreds?" And so, <laughs> I guess they used to, because I love them refrigerated too. Uh, I guess they used to cut the lake, cut big blocks out of ice out of the lake, and then put them in a barn or something. So, right, right, they would cut you know, the ice, big uh, cubes of ice. I don't even cube, but a huge piece of ice, and they'd put it in storehouses or insulated, and then you would get your you keep things refrigerated. Yeah, I always heard he liked chilled pawpaw was his uh, was his favorite dessert. So uh, I always thought that was sort of interesting. And they definitely are they are better when you keep them in the refrigerator, keep them chilled, and they definitely taste better than well, they're still fine at room temperature. But that chilled is much better. I agree. I I just love them that way. And most of mine actually go to. I like to give them away because I like people to, you know, you got to. I enjoy them and keep some for myself, but. Uh, I love to share them and say, you ever heard of a pawpaw? And you give it to them and then they realize it was a native tree. And uh, so talk a little bit, describe the fruit and its flavor. Yeah, the fruit, uh, the outer is like a, I want to call it a light green, maybe slightly oblong. Uh, it's not a round fruit. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, when you cut open the fruit, the, the pulp is sort of like a yellowish, orangish type color. Uh, and uh, with uh, some prominent seeds, the the flavor uh, is um, is a little you know, can be a little like I'm not going to say cantaloupe something like that, but it's sort of fruity. It's definitely a different texture. Combining a little bit of a custard or that type of thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sweet but not overly sweet. It, it's its own flavor, and you, you know we often hear it described as a cross between a banana and a mango, but that's not yeah. it. It's definitely nah. its own fruit. And then the fragrance of the fruit itself is so strong. Uh, right. It's, you know, when you have them inside, like sitting in a basket or something for just a day, the entire kitchen is going to have the, the a fragrance of that pawpaw. Um, how long did it take you uh, after you planted your trees to get your first harvest? I would say five years, six years, somewhere in that, that range. So when I first got a first couple, like the first year, I got like three pawpaws. You know, and that was then I got more than last year. My one pawpaw tree, I got like 16 or 17 off of it. And, but the other one hadn't produced any. Well, this year, the other one produced fruit, which is interesting because the second tree dropped its fruit first. So I've got about 17 or 18 off of there. Now my other trees just start dropping. I've got about three or four off of there. And, you know, so, uh, which makes you wonder because I have about 10 other pawpaw trees in the side yard. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all the fruit when I get it. Well, we're going to talk about that, but first I want to talk about, I remember when those first pawpaws came in for you, that first one, you had to share it with how many people in the family? <laughs> well, I shared with everybody at the house, four people, so it was like, it didn't go very far, but uh, but it was unique. It was sort of a fun fun experience to plant something like that and 
get some fruit off it and say, uh, and think, going back and thinking the history of it and so on and so forth was like pretty cool that we're having that. And now I know that you're making ice cream out of them. I, tell me about this. Oh, it, we, um, you know, with my interest in pawpaws, you know, uh, my wife bought me three or four books on pawpaws and how to grow them. And the one book actually had recipes for different things. And of course, you can make beer and all kind of pies and all kinds of stuff. I thought the ice cream one would be interesting. So read through that last year. And then for Christmas, she got me an ice cream maker. So, you know, we finally had a good harvest this year. So that well, we'll go ahead and, and uh, we'll try our hand at making ice cream. So, uh, admittedly, she cleaned all the fruit for me and we got all ready and, and, uh, we mixed it up and there was a recipe in the one book. We followed that recipe and boy, it's good. I mean, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised at how good it, there. It does remind me a little bit of sherbet, maybe it's like a little flavor, like, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, banana, but not quite there, but very good. It, it, like I said, I, it exceeded my expectation. Uh, she did find another recipe that talks about putting frozen bananas in, and we may try that next time because that just sounds so good. But it was excellent. I said, I, I'm like, wow. I, I you know, almost couldn't believe it was that good. So there are people, though, that are allergic to pawpaw. My wife is one of them, so I get all the pawpaws. I gave one to somebody else who had an allergic reaction. But there's a interesting uh, historic a uh, story from the Lewis and Clark expedition in 1806. You know, they were out there. This whole group was out there. The food was getting scarce and they found these pawpaws. Well, a couple guys got pretty sick, inflamed and swollen eyes. You know, they didn't know why, but probably that uh, reaction, you know, because some people, especially when you get the skins, so some people can't handle them. But there's also another story that, uh, Many of the Lewis and Clark during that time, many of the people in the in the expedition survived on uh, pawpaws for a short time because the biscuits were just about gone and the game was scarce. So uh, always fun for, to to hear those uh, historic stories uh, about the tree. But my job has been to try and educate people on growing this tree because people just don't know anything about it. You know, what, what is the reaction when you mention pawpaws to people? I get a, huh? Well, really, you know, nobody, most people don't know anything about them. One thing that was interesting is I planted uh, 10 or 12 in my side yard. And so they're, they're still pretty small. Some are a foot, foot and a half tall, but I had a woman with her grandchild walk by and she goes, Oh, what are those? This is oh pawpaw trees. And I said, Papa, she goes, Oh, do you know the pawpaw song? She knew the pawpaw song, but she didn't know what pawpaws were. So most of the people not explain to them, you know, the, the, what the fruit is and the history of it. But yeah, very few people know. So I think once I start getting a decent pawpaw crop, because I live on a corner, you know, a lot of people walking by, I'll probably end up sharing some of it because that's my wife and I are like, boy, if we get a big crop, what are we going to do with all these? And unfortunately, pawpaw does not store well. It isn't like apples. You know, cool celery, put the apples in there. They're good for a long time. Pawpaw shelf life is very short. Well, here's one of the reasons uh, that people don't know a lot about pawpaws because you rarely see them anywhere, but just occasionally in a farmer's market because you can't pick them early. You have to pick them when they're ready. 
and then right. they don't last. You know, you've got to you've got to eat them quick, and they don't ship well. They bruise very easily. Now, my trees, you know, twenty years old, are probably thirty feet tall. The only way I have to harvest them is to just shake and shake and shake. And when when one's ripe, it'll fall off. It, it can be disconcerting to hear that potato sized thing thump on the ground next to you. But you know, I got I usually. I'll go up to the orchard and I'll see maybe one on the ground and I'll know that the, uh, the critters are, are lurking there around. So then I'll start yeah. harvesting, them. but they don't all, they're not all ready at the same time. You know, uh, I'll go up and I'll shake and you'll get some down. And then the next day, a few more. Uh, and again, it's, it's one of the last real seasonal crops left. You know, right. you, you can't, there's no way to find it any other way. Uh, but just a a wonderful uh, seasonal treat, I think. Yeah, one thing I may toy around with a little bit is that I may try to prune my pawpaws so they don't get any more like 12, 14 feet tall. I may see yeah. if I can do it away so it'll be easier to harvest that way. Um, but we'll see. I may experiment with a couple trees and see how that goes and, uh, and then go from there. But I thought, man, yeah, because... You talk about 30 foot tall and you drop them all the way down. You're trying to harvest them or whatever. And you thought, well, what happens? And, and that, uh, some of the books I've read on talk about pruning them to keep them more manageable size. So it's easier to harvest. You know, a couple of the books were like running an orchard and like, I'm not going to get that carried away. But uh, the point is you can prune them so it's easier to harvest the fruit or it doesn't have to drop so far. Because I don't ever pick them off the tree. I wait till they drop off and I pick them up. I don't try to, if it's still attached, I leave it there. So in my trees, uh, the one thing they do is they make more trees from underneath, like with suckers. And so I have got so many trees up there, but they're really hard to move because they have a long tap root. And right. so I'm hoping to get up there in the spring before they leaf out and try and get the littlest ones out and, and pot them up so I can give them to people. But Miles and I have talked about this already starting them from seed has been a fun experiment for me. And so unlike most seeds that you dry out, the pawpaw seed wants to be planted right away while it's still moist. And I, they, and it needs that winter, what we call stratification, that cold period, warm period, cold period. Right. I put them in the vegetable garden, not really thinking that they would really even sprout. And it wasn't until two seasons later that I looked in the vegetable garden. I'm like, what in the heck is, and so I've got two pawpaw trees growing in the vegetable garden. One's as tall as me. And wow. so they've got to come out. And so, uh, miles, tell me when is the best time to move this? Because even if I do, when I do move it, I can't, you know, when I moved them in the past, it's four trees to get two to survive or six trees to get two to survive because they just, they don't, once they get established, they don't like moving. I would uh, say early spring, late winter, early spring, before they even start really pushing out buds or anything, I would, uh, I would uh, transplant them at that point in time and get them out of there. Uh, if you wait till they start pushing out leaves, I think you're, you're too late. Because you do it late winter, very early spring, I don't, I don't think you're going to start to get, um, you're not going to have any root growth, maybe minimum amount of root growth going on. Because you want to be able to move as much as the root system you can. You don't want that plant to put out energy, pushing out roots, then cutting a bunch of them off. Then you're you're already sabotaging the tree 
to a certain degree. So, and so my stand is just filled with like a hundred trees. Some of these uh, suckers <laughs> have fruit started to fruit. I'm really not sure what I should do because it's become a huge area of it's been a pawpaw forest. But I'm I I've been told I need new genetics. They're still making good fruit. It's just I'm not sure how many of those suckers I should cut out of there. Uh, you know, I, I don't touch them. I just let them do their thing naturally. And the, the two original trees are setting fruit. And then some of the ones around the edges are also setting fruit. So I'm not sure if I should thin. What do you think? I guess maybe to give them room to develop you know, a fuller crown type of thing and get better light penetration It'll help with the growth. And I would probably think about thinning out exactly how much. That's sort of going to be an eyeball thing. But I'd be thinking, I might look at if I was going to plant these, what kind of spacing would I have? You know, and then maybe at that point uh, go from there. I mean, I did mine, I did like in a grid pattern in my side yard. And basically they're, the rows are 10 feet apart and I staggered the rows is what okay. I did. You know, and they actually recommend a little bit wider than that. But it was like, well, that's the room I have. That's what I go with. If need be, I can always prune to to match the space I have. But I would be looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, if I was going to do a planning, how, how much room would I want to give each one of these trees? You know. Well, I better get up there and do some thinning here. And I guess I'll wait to do to move the trees. The thing that always happens every year, though, I say I'm going to move them. <laughs> We get to early spring and it's crunch time and I'm running around planting vegetables and right. flowers and sorts of stuff. It doesn't get done, but that'll be the plan. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So for this whole pawpaw experience for you, what has been the best thing? Watching the trees mature enough to start producing fruit, enjoying the fruit. And now we're, you know, I think we're going to start getting a pretty consistent harvest you know, made ice cream this year. Maybe we'll try some sort of pawpaw cheesecake next year. We'll, you know, start and and like you do, and you start getting more, start sharing uh, with friends, family, neighbors, and you know, see what uh, see what they think. I mean, I've, folks I talked to are sort of interested. They're not sure, but you know, just uh, I think you know, probably having work with trees, just watching the maturity go and and how they develop, and the you know the benefit of you know where it's fall color or the fruit or whatever, and just seeing it develop is always a satisfying, just like a garden. You know, you, you do all that, and then it grows. The satisfaction you get from that is so much better. A lot of things you can experience in life. Well, who would think that you and I would have something in common with our first president, <laughs> the way we like our... <laughs> way we like our he was on to something. Yeah, he was on to something, that's for sure. Well, well, thanks so much for being part of this conversation. As as the listeners can tell, we're both infatuated with pawpaw trees, and <laughs> you can grow them basically anywhere on the uh, East Coast. You know, uh, it's, it's got a wide range. And uh, take a look, and maybe you could be a pawpaw grower too. Thanks again, Miles. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. Enjoy the time talking about pawpaws, believe me. <laughs> We'll see ya. What fun! You should try planting a couple of pawpaws in your landscape. They are a wonderful, unique fruit. Now tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast. From the Davy Tree Expert Company, I am your host, Doug Oster, and do me a big favor. Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. 
And if you've got an idea for an episode, maybe a comment, send us an email at podcasts at davey.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y.com. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. 